Okay, I am recording. Hey, everybody. Um, welcome back to the Agorist Attorney Podcast, where I'm a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer, and we talk about topics from the perspective of a freedom-minded attorney. I'm Patricia, aka Patty, aka the Agorist Attorney. Um, and today is, what is today? Tuesday, November 28th, 2023, and this is episode two of Ranting About Really Bad Contract Provisions. Just a reminder, it's the standard disclaimer. This is for entertainment only. This doesn't make me your lawyer. There's no attorney-client relationship here. And I'm probably not licensed where you live. So please consult your local counsel on all of this stuff. Please find somebody who is licensed in your jurisdiction and very experienced in the industry you're working in because all of those contracts are a little bit different. So with that said, today we're going to do indemnity. So what does indemnity even mean? Essentially, the concept in basic contracts is that if you mess up while doing the thing you were contracted to do, you need to make sure the other party is made whole from whatever damages you cause. And that's totally fine and fair. Of course, the courts, looking at California, who started it mostly, had to get involved and make a huge mess of this whole thing. So not long after I graduated law school, uh, if I can date myself here, a case by the name of Crawford came around in California. And the California Supreme Court essentially decided that if you are required to, required to indemnify someone, you can also be required to defend them in the event some third party makes a claim against them having to do with your work or your services or your products. Okay, what does that mean? What it means is that upon the mere allegation, just the, just the claim, just the complaint, just a letter, just filing something, any allegation of an issue, you can be required to hire your clients or your consultants, if you have some mutual indemnity there, lawyers in the event some random person off the street decides to see your client. So you're paying for your own set of lawyers and you're paying for your client's lawyers. And if your client decides to turn around and name you in a lawsuit, you might end up paying for a third set of lawyers. And that's all fine when you have insurance policies that will do that. If you have a policy that will actually provide a defense before there has been any determination of wrongdoing, that's fine. But there's a huge problem. Professional service providers, we're talking about designers, engineers, architects, lawyers, doctors, CPAs, whatever, their insurance only covers damages to the extent actually caused by their professional negligence. And that will be in your actual policy. Everybody, everybody, please go read their policy. There's no insurance for someone randomly made a claim for professionals. Because remember, anyone can sue anyone for anything. They can't insure that. Um, people with products and who build things, I'm not talking to you right now. Um, so just plug your ears. But we have all these professionals hanging out here having to pay for their own lawyers and their clients' lawyers maybe a third set of lawyers, a bunch of expert witnesses, all these discovery fees, and they're racking up these huge bills, right? So then they get to the end and the judge jury says, you know what? You are totally right. You did everything correctly. Case dismissed. Yay, we win. What's well, great, but you can't get your attorney's fees back usually, unless there's something in the contract. We can talk about that another day. But now you're stuck with all those fees that are not covered by insurance. So that's terrible. So the solution is contracting entities that have professional liability rather than commercial general liability insurance can only agree to reimburse costs, reimburse, pay you back, 
to the extent those costs were caused by your negligence, your fault, negligence, recklessness, you know, willful misconduct. That's fine. That makes total sense, probably. Um, the problem is, is that all the contract drafters want to have their client, you know, your owner, your purchaser, not be out of pocket at all, which I totally understand. Who wants to be out of pocket because you think somebody you entered into a transaction with messed up? We get it. However, they can get insurance to cover their own defense. They can, and they should. Professional service providers cannot. It's just not a thing that's offered for professional liability insurance. So if you sell stuff, if you build things, if you can buy insurance for this, then you should absolutely, and you need to talk to a lawyer, license in your jurisdiction to make sure you are signing contracts that are acceptable for what you are doing. You need to make sure you're covered by the right insurance and you need to make your, sure that your contract reflects that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a typical indemnity provision that I've seen floating around the last couple of years. This is pretty standard. You see the same language over and over again. We're going to go through this really quick. And I marked this one up in advance because it's pretty chunky and I'm not always great at drafting at the spur of the moment on screen. So I did it in advance and you can see my red line. So um, shout out to Eric, who says he hates word track changes. Um, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> okay, so here's my, here's my screen. You can see in red, these are the changes I've made. So the original provision said, architect hereby agrees to the fullest extent permitted by law. As a rule, I take that out. You can contract to do a lot of things that are permitted by law that are very bad decisions, even from a business perspective. So that's not a thing that we're doing. Um, so the original, I would cross that out. So it says, agrees to indemnify, hold harmless and defend. Okay, we just talked about that. We're not defending. We're not defending. We're reimbursing. Okay. So to hold harmless is going away. We're just going to indemnify the developer and the indemnities, which is usually a list of people. It's like the landowner, the developer, never the contractor, if you're the design professional, because we're not doing that. But the developer and all indemnities, their respective directors, officers, that's standard blurb. They do a whole list. I typically cross out agents. You can see that I did so here. Um, what does agent mean? It means I can take a wand and go, ding, you're an agent. Do you want to pay or even reimburse, reimburse for the defense of every random agent? Somebody deems an agent with their magical agent wand? No. So we take that out. Employees are fine. Um, from against from and against any claims. So we talked about this. We're only paying out to the extent our screw up caused damage. Not just because somebody complained, not just because somebody was bored and filed a bunch of lawsuits. We're not doing that. So it should read, architect agrees to indemnify the developer and all indemnities from and against damages, yep, liabilities, losses, those are actual losses and expenses, including but not limited to Reasonable attorney's fees. Um, if you have no reasonable in there, or if God forbid they say actual attorney's fees, this is bad. You want it to be reasonable attorney's fees. You don't want somebody charging double market rate and then coming after you for fees. So it's reasonable attorney's fees. And it's not arising out of, it's not related to, it's actually resulting from your screw up. And this is an architect contract I was looking at. This is resulting from the performance of the architect services to the extent whole or in part caused by one, the negligent acts, errors, or omissions. Um, it's negligence, professional negligence. It's not something that was omitted like I put in six exit signs 
and the building official came in and said, oh, I want eight. And there's a vagueness in the code there for exit signs. And you're like, okay, we'll add a couple of more exit signs. That's fine. That wasn't negligent. Like lots of people could have looked at the codes in that location and gone, ah, six is fine. Building inspector wanted eight. Fine. Does that cost a client any money? No, because they're spending money on stuff that they would have had to spend money on either. In, on, on anyway, even if it had been in there. So things like that, that's not negligent. Negligent is like, I completely messed up the load calculations for my rooftop pool or whatever. That, that could be negligence, okay? So we're going to keep going through this. So negligent actors or omissions, you see that all the time. Uh, the architect, architect's employees, consultants, you're vicariously liable for everything your consultants do. It's just a fact. Make sure they carry insurance. Subconsultants, so they're consultants, or anyone for the, whom the architect is legally liable in the performance of the architect's services, that's self-explanatory. Under this agreement, whether arising before or after completion of the architect's services and caused by or resulting from the architect's failure to perform in accordance with the standard of care. So this is what happens when I or anybody else has to fix a bad provision. You end up saying the same thing over and over again because they're saying different things and you're trying to bring it back in line with what's actually reasonable and fair and equitable. So it ends up sounding kind of dumb, honestly. Um, and it's why I don't like legalese. I don't write, when I draft from scratch, I don't write my, my contracts like this. I do indemnity in like three sentences. It's like, we will reimburse you for damages caused by our professional negligence, the end, like that's it. But they do all of this. So it ends up sounding kind of goofy. And they say it again, right here. The architect's failure to perform in accordance with the standard of care relative to any activity associated with the architect services or from any activity of the architect, architect's employees, consultants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, agents or employees. Agents I'm okay with when it's the when it's my agents because I won't pull out my agent wand and deem them agents or employees at the project site or elsewhere, which is kind of fine. Whether in part, whether in part caused by, now what I cross out, the active or passive negligence. What difference does it make? Active, passive, I don't care. And what it's doing right here is is saying, even if a party that you're supposed to protect contributed to the damage, you still have to indemnify. And that's fine. Like if I'm half at fault and you're half at fault, certain states have weird laws on this. Plug your ears if you're in one of those states. Um, if I'm half at fault and you're half at fault, that's fine. I'll indemnify you for my half, right? So I've added this in because they didn't have it in here. Um, I made it say, to the extent claims or damages arise out of the acts, errors, or omissions of other parties, architect shall be liable only in proportion to the architect's determined responsibility and not for the proportion determined to the responsibility of others. I am responsible for my shit and you are responsible for yours. The end. And that's pretty much every contract the way it should be written. I am responsible for mine. You are responsible for yours. The end, right? Let's always go that way. And then this last paragraph is something that I don't stress out over because workers' compensation insurance exists and you should carry it. Um, this is basically talking about if, if one of your employees is like injured and sues your client and there's a whole problem, it just basically says like work comp will pick it up the end, <laughs> you know, and it also says if work comp doesn't pick it up, you're still liable. So it's saying like 
yeah, we recognize that everybody has insurance for this workers' compensation, employee injury stuff, but if, God forbid, something happens and the insurance doesn't pick up, you're still on the hook. That's fine. You should have sufficient employer's liability to cover this stuff. So indemnity can be a little a little bit tricky. Um, you can thank California for getting in the middle of this and making it harder than it needed to be. But the basic idea is what I said earlier, is I'm responsible for the stuff that I do. I'm responsible for damages that I cause, not accidents, right? I'm not indemnifying for, for random acts of nature or whatever. I am indemnifying you for damages that I cause as a result of doing a terrible job performing my services, okay? We can talk later about sale of goods, maybe repair contracts where you're selling parts. We can talk about when you're building things. There are lots of other forms that this takes, but the bottom line is if you're a person that carries professional liability insurance, you need to read that policy really, really carefully to figure out what it covers and what it doesn't cover. Because you might be in a situation where somebody sues your client and suddenly you have one of these terrible contracts and you're left holding the bag. We do not want that. So this one was complicated. Um, always happy to answer questions in the comments or shoot me a message. Again, doesn't make me your attorney, but if something I said is confusing, I'm happy to point you out to reference materials or you know, help you figure out what jurisdiction you're in or who you should be talking to. So hope you won that, that one wasn't too confusing. And I hope to see you back again for the next rant about contract provisions. And I haven't decided what the next one will be. So I am completely open to subject, sub, subjections. I can't talk today. I am completely open to suggestions. So please send in something in a contract that you would like me to rant about if you want to have your topic featured on here or anything else. Have a fabulous rest of your week and I'll see you next time.